The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began, began to spread throughout the surrounding regions of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Twelve years ago this weekend, I was, I was installed as a rector in my first congregation. And two weeks ago, one of my close friends, in, clergy friends, was installed a rector in his church in Texas. Now, being installed as a rector in the Episcopal Church is a pretty big deal. I remember both of my installations as rectors, but I guess you always remember the first one clearly. Father Clay Lean, a mentor and a close friend of mine, was the preacher at my installation as the rector at All Saints in Duncan, Oklahoma. I'll never forget the faces on the congregation when Father Clay started his sermon and said, it was my last chance to leave. They were all in a panic at that point. Try, trying to explain what happens when a rector is installed outside the Episcopal Church, well, it is confusing in the least. I started at All Saints in August, but because of their, our bishop's schedule at the time, I was not installed to their rector until January, five months later. And some of my clergy friends outside the Episcopal Church would ask, so you've been the head pastor since August? And I said, say, yes. And they're just getting around to making it official. And I said, well, basically, yes. And then we, they would ask, I just, that just doesn't even make any sense. And I said, well, yes, that's how we roll sometimes in the Episcopal Church. In the letter that I received, it, my institution from the bishop. It said these words, you are fully empowered and authorized to exercise your ministry. Wow, it was a good thing I didn't know that before I started or I would have been in big trouble that I didn't have the authority. Authority 
is a tricky animal, isn't it? We all look to authority in our lives. Who do we listen to? Authority can be good, a good thing when it's not abused and trust is not broken. Most people that have authority over others earn that over a period of time. They have to prove themselves to be people that have respect over authority with a subject or an expertise. When we are small children, we look to our parents as the primary authority figures. But as we grow, we begin to question that sole authority. Even good parents that have gained the trust of their children may hear from time to time, you're not the boss of me. Any parents ever hear that? Uh, okay, yeah. Both of my boys played soccer when they were little. And if you've never had the privilege of watching five and six-year-olds play soccer, I, I would recommend you do that. It's like the ball, wherever the ball is, that is where all the team is. They, I don't know if they're kicking the ball or kicking each other, but it's quite the looking at. And then on the sidelines, you have two competing voices of authority, parents and coaches. Parents don't really care what position little Matthew is playing. They just want him to score a goal. It doesn't matter that he's the goalie. <laughs> that was my Matthew. And if he wasn't doing that, he was picking dandelions or something like that. The coach, on the other hand, wants them to learn their position and learn how to play as a team. The kids, the kids look around and look confused because they don't know which voice to follow. As we grow up, more authority figures enter into our lives. Teachers and family and friends and news media and doctors and lawyers and, dare I say, priests and pastors. The list could go on. And like the soccer game as a child, sometimes these authorities are in conflict with one another. When this happens, who do we turn to? Whose voice do we listen to? Remember I said authority is a tricky animal. Sometimes we can have authority in part of our life and not over all of our life. You have given me authority as your rector over the ministry and the spiritual direction of this church, in which I am most humbled by. But I don't think playing the rector card to my husband Johnny would hold much weight. It's like the story I ran across about Queen Victoria and her husband, Prince Albert. I have no idea if this is true, but it kind of hones in on my point. Queen Victoria knew that she had quite a bit of authority. As the story goes, the queen and her husband, Prince Albert, quarreled about something early in their marriage. Albert walked out of the room and went to his private quarters. Victoria followed, found the door locked, and pounding on the door, you hear, who's there? Prince Albert asked. The Queen of England was the reply, but the door remained locked. More pounding followed, and then there was a 
pause. The next sound was a gentle tap. Who's there, Albert inquired. The queen's reply, your wife, Albert. Prince Albert opened the door immediately. Even the Queen of England's authority had its limits. In Jesus' time, religious authority was passed down from rabbi to rabbi. The interpretation of scripture was taught from that perspective. A teacher of the law, or a scribe as it calls it in our reading, would quote other teachers of the law. But Jesus was different. Our gospel reading tells us that Jesus is walking in Capernaum, and he stops by the local synagogue, and in one lesson astounds everyone. They are amazed at his teaching. His authority oozes out of him. They wonder, where does he, this authority come from? Where is the source of the awe that Jesus invokes? Jesus doesn't quote any other rabbi. Jesus knows where his authority comes from. It comes directly from God, from the source of all authority. We are in the first chapter still of Mark's gospel. And in 20 verses in Mark's gospel, he has told us about the ministry of John the Baptist. He has told us about Jesus' baptism by John in the Jordan, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, and the calling of the first disciples. Now, these are verses we, uh, that we had before our reading today and the first miracle. Mark wastes no time at all in that first chapter. Jesus' most famous miracle probably is found in the Gospel of John, because who, who doesn't like turning water into wine at a wedding, right? But Mark's first gospel, first miracle in his gospel, is Jesus casting out a demon. While Jesus is teaching, a man with an unclean spirit interrupts them and barges in on Jesus, and he cries out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. A demon is confessing that the man standing before these astounded people, that the one that they just heard teaching is the Holy One of God. And what is Jesus' reaction? Well, not wanting to be associated with demons, I can't really blame Jesus there, using a stern voice, calls out, be silent and come out of him. And with that, the spirit, in a violent convulsion and a loud cry, comes out of the man. Now, the parking lot conversations start. The gossip hits the grapevine, and the people who were standing around and saw what was happening have moved from being astounded by Jesus' teaching to be amazed by this act of casting out a demon. The question that keeps coming over and over and over again on their lips, where does he get the authority? 
through his teachings, through his personal interactions with people in the synagogue, they knew he had authority. They sensed it. They felt it. But he didn't have to prove it, but yet he did by casting out a demon. And his authority was proven. And his words start to spread about this Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus' authority didn't stop in his teaching and over unclean spirits. Throughout his ministry, we see how Jesus heals people over and over again. His authority is over nature when he calms the storms and when he walks on water. He has the authority over sin as he forgives people on his way in his ministry. And finally, he has the ultimate authority even over death itself. When he raises Lazarus from the dead and rises himself from the grave in his resurrection. Jesus told the disciples after his resurrection in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. As your rector, I do not claim my own authority, but the one that has called me to stand before you, Jesus Christ. It is his voice that I listen for and try to follow the best that I can. I know I am not perfect, but I try to listen to that voice. Father Clay, in his sermon, continued with the congregation, and this is something else that he told the whole congregation. He told them that I, as the rector, had one boss. God. They didn't like that much either. As in fact, the matter is, we all share that same boss. When you have competing voices of authority coming at you, who will you listen to? My suggestion is that you seek the voice that has all authority has been given, Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God, God in the flesh. Isaiah the prophet wrote of Jesus in chapter 9, and this is what he says. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and his, he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be an endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time onward and forevermore. Jesus' authority speaks for itself. When we are confused and searching for answers, who do we seek? answers from. This is a time in our culture that there is a lot of confusion, a lot of competing voices for authority, especially in an election year. I'm not going there. Who do we seek for the authority on our lives? Jesus says, seek my authority, for he will lead you to all truth. Amen.